So glad you're here this morning. I pr- All three of you. Yeah, you know, I prayed to God that the right people would be here this morning and needed to hear this message. And you know what? I learned a long time ago. Uh, I was involved with a church that was just starting up, and a pastor sometimes that I'd set up for him, and him and his wife were the pastors. And sometimes it would be me and him. And, and he told me, he said, Chris, I wasn't a pastor. And then so he said, Chris, he says, you know, I learned in Bible school that you preach the same if there's one person or there's 10,000 people. Because God has something to say to you. And you know what? It isn't based upon how many people are in the room. God wants to speak to each individual life. And it's not based upon how many other people around you. I hope that you came today with an expectation that God's going to speak to you. It really doesn't matter how many other empty seats are around because God saw fit to bring you here today and He has a message for you this morning. I was blessed and Dave was worshiping and praising God and, and he said uh, that uh, you know when we fall and when we trip that God is faithful to pick us back up. And I thought of my, my, my kids. You know, I have one that... My Christian, my boy, he just turned five, and my daughter Lydia just turned, or she's ten. And I know whenever they fall or whenever they stumble, I want to be right there to pick them up. And our Heavenly Father is like that. He is such a good dad. And it goes right along with the message today is we're talking about standing. And when we've done all to stand, the Word says to continue to stand. So we're going to continue on this lesson. We started it two weeks ago. And Pastor John was with you last week, and I'm going to continue on the disciplines of faith. And this is part two of the message, Stand. Our key verse for this series, the disciplines of faith, is 1 John 5, 4, that our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith, which is the faith that God gave us, Romans 12, 3, our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Well, whatever this world's throwing at you, Whatever problem you would have, it's telling us in that verse that our faith is the victory that can overcome that world. Faith is what we use to receive everything from God. As Christians, that's what, that's what our method is. That's what our mode of operation is, is we use faith. Okay? Including our healing. And this is healing service. So if you're in need of healing or just want to learn more about healing, faith is how you're going to receive healing. It's how you receive your salvation. It's how you receive the blessing of God. Anything that you receive from God is going to be received by faith. Hebrews 11.6 is another scripture that we use quite a bit in this class and in this series. It says, For without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, we want to please Him because He's done so much for us. For those who come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after Him. Well, I always say God is setting us up because without faith it's impossible to please God. We understand that. We want to please Him. He says for those who come to Him, that's you guys. You came here this morning. You come to church. You open up your Bibles in the morning or in the evening and study. must believe that He is. Well, you wouldn't open up your Bible. You wouldn't come to church. and You wouldn't come to healing service if you didn't believe He is who He said He is. But the second part of that verse says that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after Him. So, we a lot of times leave that last part off of the verse, but that's so important that as you come and you're seeking God, God wants to reward you with all His promises. We've been looking at the various disciplines of faith. Paul calls them in Romans 4.12, the steps of faith. He refers to them as the steps of faith. And as we've been going through this series, and I've been sharing on it for a while, the Lord laid upon my heart that these disciplines are indicators or gauges. Just as we have indicators and gauges in our cars and our vehicles and machinery and appliances, they tell us when things are going and operating properly, but they also warn us when things aren't operating and functioning correctly. And if we continue to press through, we know that bad things can happen. You're going to have a breakdown. But... Those gauges or indicators are to put us back on track, to get us right back in standing so that we can receive all the blessings of God. So the Disciplines of Faith series that we've been on are indicators. They're, they're uh, 
telling us if something is working properly or not working properly. And a lot of times we want to blame God and we say, God, I don't know why it's not working for me. It's working for this person, but I don't see that working for me in my life. Well, these are good indicators to check. And you can go back and get, you know, we've done six of them so far. You can get those online for free. You can go to the information center. These disciplines will make you aware of things that are going on in your life that you can just check and tweak to get you back in the right position to receive all the blessings of God. Well, we're talking about standing today. Let's first look at the definition of stand. I'm going to reiterate a little bit of review so you can get caught up for those who weren't here. One meaning which most people relate to the word stand to mean is to take or maintain an upright position. Well, obviously, Pastor Chris, that's the first thing we think of when we think of stand. To be placed in or maintained an erect position. That's what most people think about when they hear the word or define the word stand. I'm going to give you an example. If the Lord was to tear, you might think this is a little crazy, but uh, if the Lord was to tarry His coming, I'm going to be standing. I found out that standing on His promises, all His promises are yes and amen. Therefore, you and I, if we're His children, and they shall come to pass, if we will not faint and give up, if we will stand, we will receive all the promises of God. Well, I tell people, I told my wife this, I said, if the Lord tarries is coming, and I was to check out and to go home, and you're still around, I want you to stand me upright in that casket. <laughs> I don't want it to be laid out horizontal. I want it to be stood upright. I want you to get some of my favorite flowers and put around me, put on my best suit. But I want that casket standing straight up. I want people to know that Pastor Chris was still standing on the promises of God. And you say, Pastor Chris, that's crazy, man. Who would ever do that? Well, it might take a little doing to strap me in there so I stay upright. But I want to be upright. And you know what? If anything, if nothing else, when people come through that line to pay their respects, they're going to be like, man, what, what's that all about? Why is he standing upright? And it'll give good opportunity for people to share the good news of the gospel. Amen. So I just like to share that just as a little light moment there. But you might think that's a little crazy. But when I find a promise in God's word, I'm going to continue to stand on it. And I will not be moved by facts, circumstances, or even death, guys. Or even death. And that's why I brought that illustration up. Because nothing shall separate us from the love of God. It talks about in Romans. He loves us so much. There's nothing that can separate us. And, and circumstances, facts, even death are subject to change. Amen? Death is not our final state. It's just, you know, and if the Lord tarries and, and we check out of this life and out of this world, we go on to a much better place. It's an exciting place. Paul talks about, I'd rather be there than here, but it's for your benefit that I stay here. So, uh, all those things are subject to change. And always remember, guys, because so many people base their life on facts. Well, facts are subject to change. One day it's okay to eat this eat these things, another day it's not. One day this is good for you, another day this is not. They're always subject to change. One day it's hot, next day it's cold. You know, uh, there, there, global warming's happening, next day ice age is coming back. Facts are always subject to change, but the truth never changes. And God's Word is the truth. You can count on it day in, day out, this year, next year, and forever, that this Word will never change, never vary. It's the only thing that is like that, that never changes and never varies. And if it were to ever change and vary, we're done. <laughs> we're done because we based our whole life on this Word of God. Okay, but we have the assurance that God's Word, it says that with Him there's no shadow of turning, no variance whatsoever. So you can count on the Word of God. So when people bring facts to you and say you get a bad report when you go to the doctor or something, Okay, that is the fact that, yeah, that does show up on that screen, Doc, but you know what? The Word of God is the truth, and the Word of God says, by His stripes I am healed. Now, there's a process that goes on there, but, you know, facts, people will try to throw facts at you, the media, uh, all the time, and you have a decision. You're going to go by the facts, you're going to live by facts, you're going to live by the truth of God. Always remember that the truth never changes, never varies. Do you know that you can be standing even while you're sitting? 
even while you're driving to work, even while you're doing your work, and even while you're sleeping at night is a form of standing, according to the Word of God. We think a lot of times that it has to be in an erect position, I have to be standing upright. But no, you can be standing and still doing all the things that you do in life. Listen to some of the other definitions of the word stand. To remain valid, intact, or unchanged. To have a specified position, an expectation, or an opportunity. To be situated or placed. To remain in a stationary position. To take or keep to an attitude, conviction, or course. Those are some of the definitions of the word stand that we don't think about or that we don't pertain to the word stand. How about this? To resist, to withstand, and that's where we get the term to stand trial. Okay, like someone's going to court and they have to stand trial. Well, we never really think about that, but they're standing up to the trials of what the, what someone is making accusations against them about. The Greek definition is used in the New Testament is to abide. When you hear the word stand or you see it, it's to continue. And the, the, the main definition that I like this to look at is covenant. So when God gives us a promise and we make a decision to stand on that promise, it's a covenant. God's saying, I'll do my part. Will you do your part? Our part is is to stand, and we're going to look at that today. God never tells us to do something or be something that He hasn't already enabled us to do or to be. He's already resourced us. He's already provided for us before the foundations of the world. What, what our responsibility is first is to find that and then set ourselves on that rock to find those promises and then not be moved by it. We have a responsibility. It wouldn't be fair for God if He told us to stand and we wouldn't be able to do it, right? Come on, what kind of God would that be if he told us, Christopher, I want you to stand, and then we wouldn't be able to do that. That wouldn't be right. Our God wouldn't tell us to do that. Settle it in your heart if he tells us to do something or be something that we are well able to be able to do it and to be able to accomplish it. When you've done all to stand, the word says to stand, and we're going to look at that. This is one of the most challenging disciplines that we're going to look at, or the steps that we're going to look at. We said that it's a whole lot easier said than done. It's a whole lot easier to say to a brother or sister that's going through a test, trial, tribulation, stand, brother, stand, sister, you can do it. But when it's us standing, and it doesn't seem like in the natural that nothing's taken place, and we've been standing for a whole long time, and someone comes up to us and just says, stand, the Bible says to stand, well, when the shoe's on the other foot, a lot of times that's difficult, right? We've all been there. We all realize, you know, that sometimes that's difficult to stand. So let's review this discipline a little bit closer and allow God to give us insight into His ways. Our scripture passage for this discipline is found in the sixth chapter of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the sixth chapter of Ephesians. And we already went down through this in detail, but I'm just going to read down through this and and highlight a couple points in this scripture. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 16. It says, Finally, my brother and sister, be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. Well, first of all, there we'll stop right there. We only have to read one verse. How we're going to be able to stand is in His strength and in His power and in His might. Okay, And we looked at that, that word in there, the power is ruling power. So God has given us ruling power when we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And in the power of His might is that endued power. Okay, So He gave us the Holy Spirit. We have the Lord Jesus Christ on the inside of us, the greater one. Greater is He that dwells in us than He that is in this world. We live by faith. We've accepted Jesus now we need to live through Jesus. And we can stand when all hell's breaking loose because we've had His endued power. We have the ruling power. What we sang about this morning, that He has the name above all names. So whatever category or whatever name you're naming, like headaches, cancer, diabetes, whatever that is, it falls under the name of God Almighty. It falls under the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And it's saying to us in this verse that how you and I are going to be able to stand in these situations where in the natural it looks grim is in His power and His might. Verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So there you go. This is, this is telling us right now how we're going to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And it's telling us in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. A lot of times we think we are wrestling with flesh and blood because that's what we see. But it says we're wrestling and we're warring against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. What's that saying? That sounds like a whole lot of stuff going on there. It's saying that we do not war with flesh and blood. So many times we get caught up with, with what we see. And say somebody says something to us, or maybe they didn't even talk to us. Maybe Pastor Chris walked right by you <laughs> before church service, and he didn't say hello. And you're thinking, well, what's up with that? Why didn't he say hello to me? Maybe I didn't even see you, or I was busy doing something. We're not warring with flesh and blood. So this is very important for you and I to realize, because in order for us to stand, we're going to have to know what we're standing against. And we said that sometimes it's difficult to stand. But if we know who we're standing against and we know what's been made available to us, we're more likely to be able to stand in situations where we never thought we could before. It's saying we do not war with flesh and blood. So your battle, guys, is not with a person. Your battle is not with your, your husband or your wife or your kids or an unruly boss. Your war or what you're, you're wrestling with is the enemy coming against those people, influencing them. And if he knows how he can get to you and it's working, there's no need for him to come up with something new. He's going to continually use that to get you not to stand, to get you to fall, to get you to trip, to get you to stumble. But we're on to his devices because the Lord's laid this out for us here that we're able to stand in the Lord's power and his might. He's telling us we're not worn with flesh and blood. So the next time that a person tries to get you upset or next time a person says something or doesn't say something to you, realize that it's not that person, it's the enemy that's, that's it's come into that situation. That person might not even know it, but has allowed the enemy to be able to try to come against you. A lot of times the people don't even know that they said something wrong to you. A lot of times people don't even realize they offended you. And we get all tripped up and we get we take offense and we get all frustrated and, and, and we get angry and we're not able to stand and we're wondering why because we're fighting the wrong enemy. It tells us in verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Well, here we go then. God's really putting it out there to us that He's given us the ability and He's expecting us and He's telling us to withstand an evil day. Didn't Jesus tell us when He was departing, He says, in this life you'll have many troubles, trials and tribulations. We don't have any problem believing that one because they're happening all around us, right? But He said, He didn't leave it there. He says, but take hold, I've overcome them all. Well, if He overcome them all and He said that you will be able to do the works that I do and even greater works than these, is because He dwells on the inside of us and He's given us another one just like Himself in the Holy Spirit. And He's telling us that how we're going to be able to do this, guys, is by being in the Word. Because listen, if you're not in the Word, you wouldn't see Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 16. And you wouldn't know who you're fighting against. And so many people are blaming God. And they wouldn't know that everything that's been made available to you, how many resources you have to be able to combat the enemy and to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil in this world in which we live in. So it's very important to us. This was discipline number one. We looked at way, way back that God's Word has to be first place in your life. You can't bypass the Word of God. You can't expect to be able to stand without being in the Word because the Word is the ammunition the Word is going to tell you how you're going to be able to stand, how you're going to be able to do these things, how you're going to be able to fight the enemy. So let's keep reading down verse 14. Here it begins again, verse 14. Stand therefore, 
We're seeing stand throughout this whole passage here. Having girded up your waist with truth. The truth is the Bible. We already talked about that. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is thinking right, talking right, and acting right. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We can think right. We can talk right. We can act right. How are we going to be able to do that, Pastor Chris? By staying in the Word of God. Doing it the way Jesus did. Following His example. Verse 15, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel is the good news. The good news is the Bible. So we're going to have to be in the Word, guys. We're going to have to stand on the Word. We're going to have to put the Word around us. Proverbs tells us to hang it around our necks. Hang it around your fingers so that it's always in front of you. So that's how you're going to... When when all hell breaks loose and, and when circumstances and there's no one around and Pastor Chris is not there and you're not in church and there's not people to help you, you're going to have to have that Word down on the inside of you so that you can combat the enemy and be able to stand against all his tactics, against all his onslaughts, because he will come at you. You know, The good news is, is that we have the victory, that we triumph and we're more than conquerors. But I'm telling you, if you don't know that the enemy, that you have an enemy, and that he, he's just going to let you go scot-free in this life, you will be deceived. And man, it'll take you by surprise, and it'll be very difficult for you to stand. Now, we're not giving any more attention to him than we need to, but you need to know who your enemy is. You need to know his tactics so that you can combat him. Okay? So, verse 16, it says, Above all, Taking the shield of faith, we already started out this whole lesson this morning with faith is our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Well, listen, guys, if you want some good news, if you want some reassurance, if you want a good uh, uh, confidence builder, Continue to dwell on verse 16. It says, above all, guys, above all this that we already talked about, taking the shield of faith, and it says, you will be able to. There isn't no question there. This is God speaking to you and I. And He saw fit to speak this to you this morning. You're here because He wanted you to hear this. You will be able to quench, and it doesn't say some, it doesn't say particular or selected, it says you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. I shared last Wednesday night, I was able to share in church, and I I did that word study because we were looking at Philippians chapter 4, and it had all all over the place. And I looked up all, and all means all. (laughs) That's all it means. All means all. So, I mean, I find great comfort in that, that there is nothing that the devil can throw at me. There's nothing that principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual hosts and wickedness in heavenly places can do against you and I that we don't have the resources or the ability to be able to overcome. Amen? That's good news, guys. So maybe you've had something come against you physically. This is healing service. Maybe something mentally. Maybe something financially. Whatever it is. Whatever falls under the name of Jesus, which is every name, you are able to quench those fiery darts. You're able to quench those those attacks from the devil. So many times we've gotten our 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 focus off and thought it was a person or a a company or whatever it is, and we haven't even really realized who we're fighting against. So it's been difficult for us to stand. But when we know who we're standing against and who we're fighting against, it's a whole lot easier to stand. Amen? So, verse 16, I want you to underline that or just take note and when you go back to study, continue to look at that, guys, that you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, of the enemy. Another uh, word for quench is to extinguish. And we all know fire extinguishers, they're all around this building. That, you know, when there's a fire, it gets hot. It's not pleasant. Things get heated. You can take that fire extinguisher and pull the plug and just to pull the handle. It still requires you to do something. It's never going to do anything just hanging on the wall.
But as you pull that pin and then squeeze that lever, you can put out a fire, you can put out a flame, you can cool the place down. And God is telling us that we're able to do the same thing with His Word. We'll be able to extinguish all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Fiery darts, man. I mean, you know, God has given us some insight here. First, they're fiery, so they're hot. And they're darts. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want people throwing darts at me. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. We're talking about it hurts, man. It pricks, you know, and, and they're hot. So he uses those terms to give us an illustration to tell us you have it in you because you have the greater one on the inside of you to be able to extinguish those fiery darts. Notice, guys, this is very important, and, and you can write this down because it will help you in the future and it will help you be able to stand. Standing requires patience. Yuck. <laughs> like that word, patience. Standing requires patience. Patience requires diligence. Diligence requires discipline. Discipline requires faith. Faith requires the Word. I'll read that again and then we'll talk about it for a minute. Standing requires patience. So in order for you and I to be able to stand under all circumstances, it's going to require patience. And that's not from Pastor Chris. That's from the Word of God. So I'll show you that. Patience requires diligence. Diligence requires discipline. Discipline requires faith. Faith requires the Word. Those are all words in this day and age that we live in that people do not like. You might not like them. I don't really like the sound of a lot of them. Patience, diligence, discipline. But I've learned in my walk with God that those things bring about a, a, a positive result. Now, nobody said nothing about them being easy. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you they're going to be easy because they're not. But I can do them through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I can do them because He supplies all my needs according to His riches and glory. I can do them because He's given me the greater one. He's given me the Holy Spirit down inside me. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. There wasn't nothing that could hold Him in that grave, in the pit of hell. That same Spirit dwells inside you and I. So let's look at this. And let's go backwards. Let's read it backwards because a lot of times this will give you insight in how you're to be able to be able to do something. When you see it, you know, you see the process, you see the beginning and the end. We're going to go from the end and then work our way back and see maybe where we've missed something. First of all, I want you to know, guys, that faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Man, that, that is an important statement right there. And it's helped me out so much in, in just being able to believe God's promises that faith begins. I can only have faith in something where I've seen it in God's Word. If you tell me it, I can. it all depends on how much I, I believe your Word. But when I search for myself and I can find it in God's Word and it tells me that all His promises are yes and amen, it doesn't matter who says it. I don't care who believes it. If it's saying it in God's Word, I can take that for myself and I can stand on it. And my faith then begins right there. If I don't find it in God's Word, it's going to be very difficult for you and I to be able to, to know, is this God's will for my life or it isn't God's will for my life? What am I basing it upon? What someone said? Am I going to base it upon uh, what the world says? Surely not. So I have to find... It in His Word. I have to find a truth in His Word. I have to find a promise in His Word. That's where my faith begins. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If you're not sure what His will is, I guarantee it's going to be difficult to stand. And if you're not sure what His will is in any area, guys, how do you know it's not His will for the opposite to happen? You see where I'm going with that? I mean, a lot of times... Good people. I come out of this background and, and, and religious background where it says, where people say, oh, if it's God's will, 
you'll have this. Or if you don't, if it's God's will, He'll show it and reveal it to you. If He doesn't, He doesn't want to. Well, how in the world could I stand? How in the world do I know that if I'm getting, if, if someone's hit by a truck, is that God's will or is that the enemy? I don't know. If I'm going around, if it's God's will, God's will says He will keep me in His secret place. He will keep me under the shelter of the Most High God. It says in His Word that I'm the God that heals all your diseases. I'm the God that forgives all your sins. I'm the God that protects you from the evil one. Though a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, it shall not come near your dwelling. Well, I either can believe that or I can believe if it's His will. If it's His will, how in the world can I stand up to whatever's coming against me if I'm not sure that God's will is for me to be able to stand up against that or maybe He's trying to take me out with that. And, and man, it's, it's just a religious mindset that the enemy has used against the body for so long to where people are just like pinballs. And they're just like an old pinball machine, if you remember them. Where you know, you're just being flipped all around. They're just being tossed here and tossed to and fro and not really sure what's going on or who's fight, they're fighting against and what's coming against them. But it must be God's will. Well, no, it isn't. It doesn't line up with the Word of God. It doesn't say right there. We didn't reread it. We got all excited about we'll be able to quench. You will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So faith begins where the will of God is known. Wow, I got off there for a little while on that, but that's so important that you know that. The faith begins where the will of God is known. Let's read it backwards. Faith requires the Word. So I'm going to have to have the Word to be able to apply my faith or to have faith in it. Faith requires discipline. How can I have discipline without faith, without having the Word? Jesus said in Romans 12.3 that God has given unto every man, every woman, the measure of faith. You have enough faith in you to combat whatever will ever come against you in this life. Romans 12.3 Read that it next time you say, I don't have enough faith, my faith isn't working. No, God gave you enough faith. He gave you the measure to get through this life. So that you can be disciplined. Now that discipline means I'm going to have to get into the Word and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to read the Word. I'm going to have to pray and ask God to reveal Himself to me. I'm going to have to get up to go to church and maybe come here on a Wednesday night. Okay? How can I do that? Because I want to know His will. And His will is His Word. And His will, his, which is His Word, gives me faith that I can get through the circumstances of this life. So discipline will come as you, as you apply your faith, as you, as you assert yourself into getting, uh, getting to know God better. So discipline requires faith. We're moving backwards. Discipline requires diligence. If I'm disciplined in my life, I'm going to be diligent about something. And there is a difference. Okay? Diligence is keeping at it. Keeping at it. I'm going to acknowledge the Lord in all my ways. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, not let His Word depart from my mouth. That was discipline. Or step number two was to acknowledge Him in all our ways. I can be disciplined. I can be diligent to be about my Father's business. I can seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Everybody wants all the other things added unto them. But I'm going to put God's Word first place. I'm going to put the things of God first place in my life. I'm going to be diligent about that. And when I do that, then discipline comes and faith comes and where the will of God is known, the Word comes. And then from there... Diligence comes patience. When I'm, when I'm diligent about something because I'm disciplined about something, I can be patient. We are so quick to fly off the handle. We're so quick in this society we live in that we got to have it now. You know, we got 280 channels on the TV. If something isn't interesting to us, we just flip through them and, and I gotta have, I gotta have it now. We don't, we don't want to, 
uh, sit in no line to get our food. We don't want to wait for more than 10 minutes on a waitress. We've got to have everything right now. Our patient level is very low. And God says that that's one of the fruit of the Spirit is we can have patience. How can we have patience? Is because we're diligent, because we're disciplined, because we have faith. And the only reason I can have faith is because I've seen the Word of God. So you see how it all ties together. So when I found the will of God, which is His Word, it gives me the faith, which gives me the discipline, which gives me the diligence, which gives me the patience. And when I have patience, I can stand. Okay? You can't take one of those out of there and expect to be able to stand. So... Real quickly, standing requires patience. Patience requires diligence. Diligence requires discipline. Discipline requires faith. Faith requires the Word. And faith begins where the will of God is known. Standing requires patience. We're going to look at this for a little bit. Patience is a word we do not like. And when I say we don't like it, it's because our flesh doesn't like it. Our spirit man is okay with the, with the word patience because that is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Our mind is the deciding factor. If you're not in the Word of God and you don't realize that we have patience on the inside of us, it's been imparted into us, then it's going to probably side with the flesh, which the flesh is always in opposition to the spirit man, and then you have a problem. Because this flesh does not like the word patience. And it does not like to be patient for anything. It has to have it right now. And see, if you can put this in line with what we're talking about, guys, if you need healing in your bodies and you've been believing for a while, the flesh is going to say, it isn't working. That's a bunch of garbage. You see, it's not working for you. It's not working for you. Patience says that goes back to the will of God, which is the word of God. It says, I will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. It says, patience says that by his stripes, I was healed. It says that He is a God who heals all my diseases. I can have patience. Patience is a result of diligence, discipline, and faith. Write down this statement, guys, because this is a very important statement. I, I got it at um, uh, a leadership meeting a couple years ago, and man, it's, it's really spoke to me. And the more I even dwell on it, the more I see how powerful a statement it is. It says that patience is the secret weapon that forces deception to reveal itself. Let me read it to you again. I'll try to read it slow because sometimes I talk fast. Patience is the secret weapon that forces deception to reveal itself. So let's think about that for a second. Who's the deceiver? The devil, right? He is the deceiver, always has been, always will be. That's his only mode of operation is to deceive you and I to thinking that the Word of God does not work, right? We all know that. I hope you know that. You do know that today. The enemy is the deceiver. So what he's trying to do, guys, is you'll find a promise. You'll get all excited. You'll hear something in church. You'll hear something on a CD or you'll hear something you know, uh, on TV, an evangelist or somebody say something. The enemy comes immediately to steal that word. And what he wants to do is deceive you into thinking, that's not for you. God would never do that for you. That doesn't work. They're crazy. There's no one that could live that way. And he is the father of deception. He's the father of lies, the word says, God tells us. So, if he can get you to be deceived, you will not stand. You'll be frustrated. You'll be angry. You'll be kicking around in the, you know, the dust and, and, and you'll be very difficult. Sometimes, if you allow, the enemy will deceive you into so much into thinking that it's not even worth living. If you allow him to play that out in your life, you'll just sit around the house, not doing anything. You we know people that, They'll just stay in their room. Won't come out. It, well, life's not worth living. I wish I was never born. I wish I... I mean, man, I, I just I just want to check out. And, and you know, the enemy's mode of operation is to steal, kill, and destroy you. John says in John 10.10. 10. 
So if He can deceive you and I into thinking we're not worth anything, that God would never do that for you and I, He has, he has uh, succeeded in His uh, mode of operation against you and I. Patience, what patience does is, is it finds the Word of God. Remember I started out there, you know, just in this, just, re, just back there a couple statements about you have to know what the will of God is. In order for you to know what the will of God is, you're going to have to be in the Word. And when you find out what the will of God is, then you can be diligent about it. You can have faith and you can be uh, disciplined. And I said that that leads up to patience, which leads up to be able to stand. Patience says, I'm standing on the Word of God. Come hell or high water, I believe God is true, Hebrews 11.6, and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek after Him. If I, if you, and I will stand and continue to stand, it'll force that deception to come to light. Patience will do that. Patience in the Word of God, done right, not just you know, well, how the world defines it. We're talking about how God defines it. The truth. Patience is the secret weapon that forces that deception. You know, right now it might look like that, that nothing's working. Right now it might look like my finances are in disarray. That, that this condition that's come against my body is still working and it's still nothing has changed. But down on the inside, down on the inside, this is the ground of your heart. You plant that seed down in there, and just like I'm getting tomatoes now, I didn't plant them yesterday. We planted them, you know, like three, four months ago. We're getting tomatoes now. That's going to come up out of there, and patience will force that deception to reveal itself. That's so powerful. I don't expect you to get, you know, full revelation of that in this short period of time, but you mull over that statement. And consider about what we're talking about and listen to this, listen to this uh, message over and over and you'll see that how God has given us patience to combat the enemy and to force that deception to reveal itself. Now once you know what's coming against you and how it's coming against you, then it's, 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 it's not so difficult to be able to stand. It's not so difficult to be able to take that down. Let patience have its perfect work. And we shall lack nothing. If you will, turn to James chapter 1. Hebrews, James chapter 1. Let patience have its perfect work, and we shall lack nothing. James chapter 1 verse 4 says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Well, listen, we're talking about standing here. And we're talking about patience right now. It's saying, let patience have its perfect work. We don't like patience. The flesh doesn't like patience. But patience is saying here is a perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing or lacking no thing. Well, we like the part about being perfect. We want to be complete. We don't want nothing missing or lacking or broken in our lives. We, we want to lack no good thing. God's saying to us that how we're going to get to that point is by letting patience have its perfect work. Well, how can I have patience when all this is coming against me? By being diligent, by being disciplined, by applying my faith, by getting into the Word of God and finding out what His promises say concerning that situation. Go back up to verses 2 and 3. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. How in the world? What are you talking about? That is a crazy statement. Have counted all joy when you fall into various trials. Well, notice there's a comma after that. There's not a period. It says, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Well, we want the result of the last part of verse 4 that says we want to be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. And it's saying the only way that we're going to be able to do that is by being patient. And the only way that we're going to be able to get patience is by the testing of our faith. And how are we going to, is our faith going to be tested unless we fall into various trials? 
And you say, Pastor Chris, man, I don't like it where this message is going. And, and listen, I start out by saying, Jesus, when He left the earth, He says, in this life, guys, you'll have various troubles, trials, and tribulations, but take hold, I've overcome them all. And He dwells inside you and I, so we're overcomers, we're more than conquerors. So in this life, because of the decision of Adam and Eve, we're going to have troubles, trials, and testings. They're going to come. So accept that. Know that they're coming. But that's not where it ends. The end is, is I can have patience knowing that my God's for me and not against me. I can have patience knowing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after Him. Patience says, I know what the Word of God says. I know my Heavenly Father. Well, just as I shared about what Dave shared in prayer, He's going to pick me up. He's not going to... Now, what's that mean when He picks you up? He's saying, and we've said that for years, that the Lord's right there to pick you up, help you up out of the ditch, to help you up whenever you fall. He wants you to stand. Because when you stand, you realize where you've come from and that that should not be an issue again. And also what it does is twofold. It tells the world, I made it. I've come through this. And you know what? If He did it for me, He'll do it for you. I always say that God's will, His best for a person is, is is whatever you've come through, whatever God's brought you through, the hell that you came through, the ditch that you come out of, His best is, is for you to turn around and help someone else that's just in the same position. Who better to relate to someone than someone that's just come through that? How'd you get through it, man? How'd you make it out of that mess? God, God did it for me. And you know what? He'll do it for you too. Let me help you. Let me help you get back up on your feet. Let me help you stand. That's when life gets to be really good, is when you see beyond yourself and you help other people to be able to stand. In order for you to help someone else stand, though, you're going to have to be standing. (laughs) Standing requires a persistence, a tenacity, a perseverance. I'm not giving up. And see, guys, I mean, I, I see it around me um, a lot. The people are just too eager to give up. An easy out. I'm just giving up. That don't work. I tried that. Well, faith and Christianity, there is no trying. There is no trying. You do it. Okay? Trying is, oh, uh, well works that don't I'll do it one day no I'll just try no you don't try it you do it okay the Bible says it like this we are to set our face like flint what's that mean Pastor Chris well it says that Jesus set his face like flint and he endured the cross okay meaning guys you look throughout the gospels you know I, I'm constantly in the gospels because I want to imitate Jesus Ephesians 5 1 and I see Jesus, man, He came for a purpose. And, and you know, the boys, His disciples who He picked even tried to get Him off course. Right? Oh, you, you won't do that. We're, we're not going to let that happen. And what did He say to Peter one time? He says, get behind me, Satan. Does that not confirm what we just said about that we're not, we're not warring against flesh and blood and we're warring with principalities and powers? He wasn't actually calling Peter devil, Satan. He was saying, no devil, I have a purpose here and I will get to that cross and I will hang on that cross and I'll shed my blood for every human being that ever lived and ever will live. And the disciples were like, going where? Nah, they won't take you, Lord. Remember Peter once again? He could draw his sword and was going to chop the guy's head off and chop the ear off. They were like, and he's like, put that sword away. Don't you know I've come for a purpose? I have to be about my father's business. Jesus' face was sent like flint. Now, we're going to look at this next week because we're, man, we're, it just goes by so quick. But, uh, and I'll be sharing the next two weeks. So we'll pick back up on this disciplines of faith standing next week. But I'll leave you with this. That Jesus had many opportunities to get discouraged. He had many opportunities to get down. He had many opportunities to say, man, 
I don't think I can stand another minute. I've I've done everything to stand. I mean, he was beaten and whipped and and all the things that took place, and yet he still stood. And he still continued on his course. He still accomplished what God had called him to do and what God had called him to be. He stood with a perseverance. He stood with a diligence. He stood with patience. He stood because he knew the will of God. He knew the Word. And he wasn't going to let anything deter that. You and I are never going to have to go through everything that Jesus did. But He is our example. We call Him Lord when we need something, yet He is our Lord over our life. We are to imitate Him. We are to be like Him. If we really call Him Lord, we are subject to His ways and His thoughts and the way He does things. And we throw that term around so loosely. Oh Lord, when we're praying. Oh Lord, when I need something. Oh Lord. And He's saying, He tells us in in Luke, I think it is, He says, you call me Lord and you don't do the things I tell you to do. Okay? And man, that hit me one day. And I said, because I was guilty of that, you know, just calling on the Lord whenever I needed something. And yet He said to me, He said, you call me Lord, but you don't do the things I tell you to do. I want you to stand, Christopher. And I'm not expecting you to stand in your own might. I'm expecting you to stand in my power and my might. I'm expecting you to stand because the devil is a defeated foe. I've already whipped his butt. I'm expecting you to stand because I've given you every resource that the Father gave me. I expect you to stand, Christopher, because you have the same spirit that I had that raised me up out of that grave. I'm expecting you to stand because I've given you Christian brothers and sisters that will help you stand. I expect you to stand because my word says to stand. I expect you to stand because that is command, Christopher. And you can stand and you can be more than a conqueror. You can always triumph and always have victory because I've accomplished it for you. You walk in it. You apply your faith to it. Amen? Amen. All right, well... We're going to leave off there because that's a good place to, to stop for this week. But let me pray for you and we'll pick it right back up there next week. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you for your word. I thank you for these precious brothers and sisters, Lord, that you saw fit to bring here today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you imparted into them just what they needed. I thank you, Lord, that they will go out of this place different than how they came in. They will go out of here with... uh ammunition, to come, go out of here with an equipping, an enablement to be able to do and be all that you called them to do and to be. I thank you and praise you, Father, that you've given them the ability, you've given them your power to be able to extinguish all the fiery darts of the enemy. I thank you that you've given them the ability to be able to stand. And when they've done all to stand, I thank you and praise you that they're still standing. And that people will take notice and and say, how in the world can you stand? And how in the world can you continue to put your faith in a God and we will be able to share with them the good news? We will be able to stand up under every test, trial, and tribulation. We thank you and praise you, Father. We will be your ambassadors. We will be your representatives to this hurting world around us. We give you all the thanks and the praise and the glory and the honor, Father. We could not do any of this. We would not even know any of this without You. So we thank You and praise You, Lord. We're excited about today. We're excited about our future. Our best days are right out ahead of us, Father. We thank You and praise You for that. And I just thank You for the blessing of God upon Your people. And I thank You to keep us safe till we come back together again. In Jesus' name, Amen. So shall it be. Hey, guys. Thank you, guys, for coming. Love you.